This is Open to Hope Radio, featuring Dr. Gloria Horsley and her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley, coming to you on behalf of the Open to Hope Foundation, dedicated to those who are looking for hope after loss. Now, here's Dr. Gloria. Welcome to the Open to Hope Show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with my co-host, Dr. Heidi Horsley. Well, Heidi, uh, it's, uh, we're heading into the new year, December 29th, and it's kind of the, uh, end of everything, right? We are, Mom, and we were saying earlier it's the end of everything on one end, and, and it's the beginning of everything on the other. Absolutely. And a time maybe when people are going to, uh, reflect a little bit about what they want to accomplish for this coming year, or maybe for some people, um, questioning how uh, they are going to proceed in the coming year and uh, and what it, will they plan, will they not plan, will they do, will they not do. I mean, sometimes people who are big doers and have been doing all during the holidays that have had a loss, maybe it's time to stop and maybe do nothing. Do you have a thought about that, Hyde? Um, well, I think that's true. I mean, some people need to just sit back and, like you said, not do so much. Um you know, and I also hear people saying it's hard after you've had a death to begin a new year because in a cer- to a certain extent you get that much further away from the year that you saw last saw the person. Absolutely. And if you're and if you've just gone through maybe your first year after a loss, you feel like, "Wow, I made it through. I made it through my first holidays." Uh then uh the second year can kind of be tough because uh it's kind of like this is it, you know, uh, this is what it's going to be like. So it, it can be tough, too. So uh, and we'll be talking to oh, – go ahead, Hyde. I was going to say on the flip side is you can also – there's also the idea that you can look at 2012 and say, you know what, maybe this is the year that I'll be open to hope or that I may find a little bit of hope somewhere along the road. Absolutely. And uh, Heidi and I say to you, if you've lost hope, we call the foundation Open to Hope because we just hope that you will, during this coming year – have yourself open to even the idea that you might have hope again. And and we say lean on our hope this coming year until you find your own on your journey. And we've got somebody today who is so hopeful and so helpful. And I think he's uh, Mitch Carmody is going to get you going for some, you know, help on your journey this year. How do you want to introduce our buddy, Mitch? I do, and, you know, I want to say that, yes, our topic today is signs of hope for the new year, and there's no one better equipped to talk about hope than Mitch because not only does he talk the talk, he walks the walk. And Mitch has had so many losses, and I should have written them down because there's so many that I can't even remember, including the death of his twin sister, his nephews, his son. It goes on and on and on, and despite all the family losses he's had, this is a guy so filled with joy and love and hope that it, it's almost contagious. Um, Mitch is a dear friend of ours, and he is an incredible speaker. He does a lot of keynotes. He speaks all over the country doing workshops, and he often does them with Alan Peterson, who we've had on the show also. Um, Mitch is a staff writer for Living With Lost magazine, and he's written several books and is the creator of the innovative 20 Faces of Grief and the stair model of grief staging. And one of the things about Mitch that I remember the most is, you know, at Compassionate Friends conferences, he often runs sharing sessions at night. Well, he always does. And these sessions are completely packed. There's, it's standing room only, and Mitch will stay until the very 
last person has been able to speak and been able to talk about their loss, and, and he doesn't care if it's till 2 or 3 in the morning. He's there. He's there to the end. He is a, such a giving person. We are so honored to have you on the show today, Mitch. Hello. Oh, hello. Thank you. I'm so honored and privileged to be talking to you all. Uh, it's great to have you on. Now, where are you calling from? Where are we calling you from? Uh, Minnesota, up in the Twin Cities, where the conference was <laughs> this summer. Absolutely, the Compassionate Friends Conference. It was great to be with you in Minnesota. Well, I want to get right into some of your ideas, Mitch, because they're, they're innovative, they're from the heart, and they're ideas that uh, you have lived, which is a uh, you know, pretty amazing thing. So uh, talk about your STEP program and uh, your STAIRS program. It, I know you, I'm going to go through your stages, shock, trauma, acceptance, introspection, insight, reinvestment, building, and serenity. All right. So I've just had a family member die this year. I'm just through my first year. Where am I in your five stages, six stages? Yeah, it's more likely in the very first stage, which is the, the shock. That is the first step. And that's the step that we all go through, when we're, whether it's the, the shock, the, the numbness that accompanies the death. It, it, it's a natural function that, that numbs us out so that we can pick out caskets, so we can plan the service, and that we can hug people and, and comfort them at our own uh, a funeral celebration of life for our loved one. We extend more to other people uh, almost than, than we get from them. And that is that numbness, that, that shock that just allows us to do that. And that can last from days to weeks to months. And so the first year maybe living in shock for the full year or, or a couple of months. It varies with every single person. But it's that numb state that we, in fact, that's why I encourage people to even write things down because you are so numb, you don't even remember some of the things that have happened. That's a good a good thing. Write things down. Memory's bad. Heidi, do you remember any early things like that? I remember every single time I would wake up, you know, you're kind of just waking out of the dream state and you're calm and all of a sudden I would jolt awake and think, oh my gosh, my brother really did die. And that happened for a very, very, very long time, I remember. That's how you'd wake up with that realization. It was that shock. It's repeated shock. It's repeated surprise. When you open mm-hmm. your eyes in the morning, there's that denial. If denial is, you know, one of the states of Kubler Ross, but it said it's just the denial when mm-hmm. your eyes open up and you go, oh, this can't be true. This cannot be true. And then you realize it yeah. is. And that first year, the first couple of years, you, your eyes open, that is the first thought in the morning. Sometime yeah. into the future, you wait, you're at the coffee pot before you realize it. And then you realize, wow, I didn't even think about it when I first opened my eyes. So it's just long. You don't know how long you're in shock. Then you go into the second step, which is trauma, which is living with the loss and realizing that, that I just my life is never be the same again. And you struggle with that for a long, long time. And it can be you can some people can be in trauma for ten years; they never get beyond that step. And that's that's what I seek to change. Yeah, uh, for those folks out there who say they're ready to make some change and move into his next phase, which is acceptance and absorption. One of the things that you may be caught in out there is in um, judgment and judging other people, judging yourself. And uh, I think forgiveness is a big a big thing that has to happen when you're in that area. So, um, you know, if you're stuck, we're at such different stages. We are, Mom. And I was wondering, given that Mitch has had so many losses, um, you know, I just touched on a couple of them. Mitch, how did you get from trauma to acceptance? 
uh, from trauma to accept the trauma I was just living. I lived the trauma for a long time uh, before because mm-hmm. I, I just, um, I, it, it's hard. I, I, I guess it, in a way I accepted that this is as good as it gets, and, and but it was a mind game. I just, I didn't, I didn't accept the loss. I just accepted that life sucks. This is going to hurt for a long, long time, and I just lived in that hurt for so long until I walked by a picture of my son one day, and and I said, you know. I cannot live without him. I just can't. Ex- I, I, I can't accept this lifestyle. And I have, but I had to go forward. I have to accept that he is dead. I didn't say the word dead. It's so hard to say early on. But I had to say mm-hmm. that he's dead. His body is no longer here. But I don't have to bury him with his body. I brought him back into my life. That's when I accepted it. When I brought him back. When we say, some people say, well, you know. Um, I, I don't have to, I didn't lose my child. I don't like people to say, I lost my child. I know where they are. They're in heaven. Well, I lost my son. But intrinsic into losing something is the ability to find it again. And I found my son again, and I brought him back. That was my acceptance stage. I accepted his body was dead, but yet his, his who he was is not. That that survived that death. And that is what's the key for me to move up the stairway when I accepted it. People can say you acknowledge it, but if you have a flat tire on the highway, you can acknowledge it, but you're not going anywhere. If you accept it, you do something about it. You walk, you fix it, or you call a friend. And there's no fixing grief, so you call a friend or you walk slowly. Mm, I like that. Call a friend, you walk slowly. It takes time. And, and I think the process that Mitch is talking about and he said it is a long-term process, don't you think, Hyde? Absolutely, and it, it reminds me of, you know, the continuing bonds we do. Like Mitch said, although they're forever in our hearts and, and their energy and who they were and their light shines on forever in all the work we do and in our lives. Right, absolutely. Well, Mitch, you've got something in your book. Uh, Mitch has a great book that you want to get. It's called Letters to My Son, Turning Loss into Legacy. And Mitch um, has updated this book and has got, you know, his steps and things in there, which are really good. But he has a prayer for the healers. And uh, I wondered if you could, uh, by St. Francis Assisi. And Mitch, could you tell us a little bit about that and just read uh, some comments from that prayer? Yeah, this, this, this prayer, um, I was raised Catholic, so I knew this prayer. And when, when after Kelly died and and I noticed it, how hard it is. Everybody will, I, I think, concur. When you get in the car and you go to work, and in that alone time, your thoughts race and you think about your loved one so much. And when Ke- when Kelly had, had, had before Kelly died, he asked me to Dad, "Would you quit smoking?" <laughs> you know. And I promised him, "Yes, Kelly, I will." But then after he de- I died, my smoking was my old friend, and getting through the funeral and all that, I still smoked, and and I felt. Um, I felt guilty because I had made a promise to him. And so finally I said, you know, I, I'm not going to renege on that promise. And I, I quit smoking. And instead of driving to work and having a cigarette and a cup of coffee, I have a bottle of water and I say the St. Francis of Assisi prayer. And that gets me going. Every day when I'm driving to work, I recite this prayer. And it just charges me up for the day. And, it's, and this is an abridged version of it, but it's the prayer for healers by St. Francis. And it says, Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Oh, grant that I may not seek so much to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is giving that we receive, it is in healing that we are healed, and it is in dying 
that we are born to eternal life. So, Lord, make this day the very best. You've done your part, and I'll do the rest. Uh, that is it's so good. And you know what I like about that, Mitch, is it says that it is in giving that we receive. And let me say to people out there, what some people don't realize is in early grief, the person you need to give to is yourself. And that is very difficult for a lot of people to understand that. And as you give to yourself enough, then you will be able to move out and do that next step. And I, and I always say to people, if you've taken a cookie to a meeting uh, that you go to, or if you've done uh, one thing for another person, that moves you along. But doing something for yourself initially and accepting help from other people. You know, people out there during the new year, if you are newly bereaved, a gift that you can give to the world is let people help you and let them know what you need. Do you have any thoughts on that, Hyde? Well, I was just going to say, yeah, I think that's awesome. And I was just going to say, Mom, maybe initially all you're going to do is hug somebody else that's been where you are right now and say, you know what, I understand, I'm going through the same thing. That in and of itself is a gift to give somebody. Mitch, what are your thoughts? Yes, I I think it's so important. And that was my initial way I survived. Um, was I realized early on by giving that I received, and, and soon it became selfish. I mean, I, I, I started giving for others because I felt good. And, but then I, and I was always a hard receiver. I was hard, no, 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 you know, I, I'm fine, whatever. And I said, if I feel so good, you know, by helping others, how dare I not let them feel good so I should allow, I should allow them to give to me or to, so, I could, so I had to learn to receive. And it's really a balance of giving and receiving. And, you know, when I started, uh, I said, I'm going to give as much blood as I can after Kelly dies. And in 25 years, I've given 35 gallons of blood and all in wow. Kelly's name. And I feel so good that I'm helping someone else. And I walked out of there. That was the only thing that made me feel good in the early years when I went to give blood. I walk out and say, I'm helping somebody. And it just, I found myself whistling, but despite of my, my pain. Right. Yes. Yeah. So think about something that you might do to serve others this coming year or where you might allow others to serve you. Well, Mitch, um, I wanted to, I know we're talking about signs of hope for the new year. Let's talk about some actual signs. You do all these signs things with people and hear their signs. And, you know, one of the signs that I think for the new year, if you haven't got any other signs that uh, there's hope, is the sun coming up in the morning. Have you got some others for us? Yeah, uh, yes. I, I, in fact, I think New Year's becomes a, um, instead of uh, not looking forward to or dreading it, that you know, because holidays are so rough. But you look at it as, thank God I got through Christmas. Once you got over that hump, which is so difficult and maybe difficult for years, that you, you take New Year's as kind of a new goal, that this is going to be my goal. It takes a New Year's resolution to a whole new level. You know, I'm, oh, I'm going to stop eating chocolate or any, all those goofy ones that we do and we never, you know, stick to. But make one, like I made a goal in 2010. I said, this is good. I like the movie The Bucket List. And so 2010 would be my, my bucket list. And I, may, I said, I'm going to live 2010 like there is no tomorrow, that I'm going to live and have no regrets. I'm going to live one year where I have no regrets. I have every opportunity to do what I want, and I chose to do what I want. I gained 30 pounds because <laughs> I was eating a lot because I like to eat. I like good food, and I want to take my daughter to Machu Picchu, and I didn't. 
But I planned it, and we wanted to. We talked about it, and we ended up. I ended up doing things that I wanted were different from what I, you know, really thought I wanted. Um, but I gave myself the permission to do it. So when I went through 2010 and entered 2011, I said, you know, I had a full year with. with I have no regrets. I had the opportunity. I was healthy. I could afford it. And so I have no regrets. And so 2011 came and I said, okay, I'm going to publish my second book. I want to speak as much as I can, go places, reach more people. And that has happened. I've never spoke more in my life. It's setting intentions, um, as Wayne Dyer talks about. And I think that's important mm-hmm. in New Year's resolution. And choose not to hide or get go around New Year's, but make it a part of your journey. Absolutely. Heidi, have you got any thoughts on that? I absolutely love what Mitch is saying about setting intentions, and I am a fan of Wayne Dyer, so I love anyone that quotes him. But uh, yes, putting it out there in the universe first, that's what we have to do first. I mean, when 9-11 happened, the first thing I said was I have to, I have to find a way to move back to the city and heal, and I put it out in the universe, and then you think about how you're going to make those things happen in life. And I love the idea of the bucket list, and living each day in the fullest. I mean, the one thing about losing Scott and losing those that we love is it it really makes us appreciate life and we realize that, you know what, we don't know when our last day is. So every day is a gift. And to live it fully, and I live my life now not just for myself, but I live it for my brother and my cousin every day. An opportunity to be authentic, to be ourselves. It gives us Mm -hmm. permission. Because we've been hurt like nothing else could ever hurt us. So we can take risks that we never took before because we've already been hurt so bad that what else is going to hurt us anymore? So it gives us a, a, a permission to take risks. And when we do that, the universe opens up and gives you gifts. It's, it's unbelievable. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. And let me say to those folks out there who are very newly bereaved, you're listening to the Voice of Hope with Heidi and Mitch right now. We know that you may not be there yet, but here are people who have done the journey, walk the walk, and they're up and around to tell you that life, and I am too, that life is a joy and no more fear and great opportunities are out there for you. Just hang in and uh, as Heidi and I like to say, lean on our hope till you find your own if uh, you're feeling hopeless right now. But the fact that you're even listening to the show means you're taking those first steps out and good for you. Well, Mitch, I wanted to close the show. You have an old Irish proverb in your book. And uh, before I have, before you read that, you want to tell us where you can get, uh, we can get your book and uh, anything you want to tell us about what you're doing or where you're going to be in the new year? Oh, sure. Well, first of all, the, the book is um, right now only available through uh, my website. Um, at WW Heartlight Studios. Heartlight Studios, right? Heartlight Studios, plural. Heartlightstudios.net. Okay. And you're one of our writers, so we can find you on Open to Hope. Oh, right. And if you just Google my name, you'll get it. There's, it's, it's easy. To, and that's where I do my artwork, too. I do portraits for the bereaved as well, and I do that through the studio. And, um,. Uh, what else was it? What else did you ask me? <laughs> if there was anything else you wanted to uh, to say about where you're appearing or anything in the new year? Oh yes, yeah, so I'm going to be um, at several conferences this summer: the, T- the TCF, uh, Compassionate Friends, and Bereaved Parents USA, and the Wildland Firefighters Foundation out in uh, Oregon, and many other um, small chapters. Um, around the country and uh, more coming every day and I'll be posting those on my website um, this weekend be going to Fort Lauderdale uh, with a Bobby Resiniti Healing Hearts Foundation where Alan and I Peterson are doing a day with Mitch and Alan which is uh, um, when Alan and I get together we do a full 
eight-day workshop, eight hours, which we laugh, we cry, we sing, we dance, uh, we find hope and look at hope in everything. And I've seen two-year-olds, I'm talking grief years, two-year-olds and five-year-olds and 20-year-olds all coming to the our a Day with Mitch and Allen. And to see these two-year-olds come a year later and see their growth. In, and, and I don't think we grow. I just think we get unearthed the treasures that lie within. And it's just giving permission. And when you see others doing it, they go, wow, if they can do it, I can do it. So we just set examples. That's all we do. We just, we're beggars giving another beggar a piece of bread. <laughs> I love that. Well, read uh, the old Irish proverb for us or give it to us. Sing as if no one were listening. Dance as if no one were watching. And live every day that were your last. Absolutely. That's wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today, Mitch, and for all of the hope that you bring to the world and all the joy. Oh, thank you. I'm so, I'm, I'm honored, especially with you girls. I love you. <laughs> we love you too, Mitch, and thank you so much for living every day as if it were your last. You are an amazing example of hope. Okay, keep dancing. All right. Well, Heidi, it's been great to have Mitch on the show today, hasn't it? It has. He's just a really, really incredible person. Yep, and he's such an inspiration, and he and Alan do so much to help others. Well, stay tuned again next week, and uh, think about your New Year's resolution setting something small for yourself, and do it for yourself this year. You've been listening to Open to Hope Radio, hosted by Drs. Gloria and Heidi Horsley. Like today's edition, all of our past programs are available on demand at opentohope.com, along with helpful articles, videos, resources, and links to help get you through the toughest time of your life. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter and sign up for our monthly newsletter. Again, that's opentohope.com. Check it out today. Then be sure to stop by next Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time when we'll be posting another edition of Open to Hope Radio. Remember... Others have been where you are. They made it through, and you can too, as long as you're open to hope.